Uh, Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just when we search, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one car. It is a Tuesday, the 4th of July. Happy American Independence Day and happy birthday to my dad, Graham Anderson. Uh, this is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson. A big shout out to all our American AFL representatives, Mason Cox, Jason Holmes. Uh, um, oh, Josh know. Gibson, like dated a pussycat doll. I feel like that counts. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that counts. That counts. Oh, uh, Dermot Brereton uh, had a oh, photo taken well. with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely counts. So he was counts. close he to an American once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, and that's the depth of uh, the US representation. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're right across everything. Sport. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Will, how are you feeling about football this week? I haven't spoken to you. I didn't send you a text. I resisted the urge, but uh, I can see you on Skype. You've just taken a big swig of wine. Are you? Here's in what I did is this it, week, you Charlie, hate and you I'm not proud right? to admit this, but you know, look, the truth is that the government. <laughs> is currently monitoring everything that we look at online. You know, there's internet uh, histories of everything that we do. I took a fucking Band-Aid off my computer tonight to talk to you on Skype because I think I'm fucking mysteriously hiding my secrets from the universe, but I can't. (laughs) People need to know my secrets, and here they are, people. Uh, This week, what I did, alone in shame... (laughs) was uh, looked at everybody we played on the way home to yep. the end of the season and decided that we could not make the finals. I didn't just, I didn't decide it after the game. Ooh, Here's what I will shit. say. That's... I did not watch the second half of the game, and obviously they came back a little bit in the second half of the game. I just I didn't watch it. I taped it, and I was going to watch the end if we won. But fuck, firstly, close the fucking roof at Eddie Had. I don't know who anyone thinks that's a fucking good idea. The people at the ground can't see because the fucking sun is in their eyes. You can't watch it on TV because the sun is in your eyes. Like the players are missing marks and stuff because yeah, the sun is in their fucking eyes. Who is there anyone in the world who thinks it's a good idea for that fucking roof to be open? But anyway, regardless of that, uh, after that game, I decided I would not make a rash decision. Mm-hmm. I would not like throw. Uh, you know, throw my toys away. I wanted to be dignified about it. I wanted to be researched. I wanted to have some evidence behind yeah. the gut feeling I had. All right, Mike, 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 Michael, can you just bring up? All right, yeah, that's a good idea, so actually, uh, Michael. Well. If you could bring up going, the well. Bulldogs run home, I'll run you through the emotions that I had while I was sitting there. So, <laughs> so I, I, I basically what I've decided is because uh, uh, the Bulldogs basically, I think that we could lose. Three games, but we can only lose three games. And if we lose three games, that's going to be a toss of the coin. That's going to be a percentage thing. That's going to be a, we might, we may or we may not. But I reckon we could, if we lose three, we can make the finals. I mean, the thing is, it's crazy to say, you are only two games off fifth spot. Like, I hear what you're saying, but you are only two games off fifth spot, even though, okay. you know, so, you probably yeah, won't make the finals. <laughs> like, we're on the same as Sydney, and Sydney will fucking win the premiership. I've never been more assured of anything in my entire life than Sydney will win the fucking premiership. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same points as them. Uh, here's the problem. Uh, this week, we travel to Adelaide to play Adelaide Crows at the Adelaide Oval. We can only drop three mm. games for the entire run mm. home. Do you honestly believe that we yeah. can win in Adelaide against Adelaide? No. 
All right. Then we play Carlton the week afterwards. Yeah, but that's a fucking toss of the coin game now, isn't it? The way Carlton are playing and the Bulldogs have been shit. So that's a maybe. But let's just give us that one, right? We can only drop three. We've already dropped one. We've only got two left. Okay. Then we play Gold Coast. Okay. Uh, It hasn't come up Uh, on my health thing, so I'm not really sure. Uh, But we play Gold Coast. Wherever it is, what are you going to say? Okay. Well, that, that... That uh, that's at CS, so that must be up on uh, at Carrara. I think uh, Carrara. No, where's CS? And then Metricon. What does CS mean, Michael? Sorry, just so the listeners at home, Michael is. Uh, we've asked where I got. Where's that game playing? And he just wrote CS. I don't know if that means Charlie. Shut up, <laughs> Charlie. Stop talking. Uh, look, regardless of where you play that, I think that's also a fifty-fifty. Uh, uh, but I will okay. give you Essendon. That then we play Essendon. What do you think about that? Well, on current yeah, but this form, is not current form. This is like five weeks from now. Who the fuck knows? Kazali's Stadium. <laughs> oh, maybe. The, you know what? Maybe Where's that's Kizali's the Ballarat game. Stadium. Maybe that's our first Ballarat game. That? Ah, okay. Um, yeah, you'll beat. The oh, Gold we've Coast sold. So you can, oh, you'll have the game to Coast. like crazy Roy Kazali, who like has some furniture warehouse that everything's on sale, <laughs> and like it's a Kazali Stadium. That's what we're calling Eddie Had this week. We did a deal. I'm sorry, we didn't realize we were going to win the premiership. We needed some money. <laughs> Up there for bargains. Up there for steals. Come try our couches. You'll get all the feels. <laughs> I'm crazy Kazali. <laughs> and I'm selling all these couches. <laughs> I took th- Okay. I- so Essendon, yeah, look, I the, Essendon Okay. I'm uh, crazy Kazali. I took the greatest mark in history, but I have marked down my prices even more. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Essendon uh look, I think yeah, on on current form Essendon aren't playing too good, but maybe they will Pull their fingers out by the time they get to you, but yeah, it's again these. Apart from Adelaide, the the Adelaide right. I reckon toss of the lose. coin games. The rest have all been 50-50. Well, um, I, I feel you, like we're going to lose what all do you of feel this. What but... do you feel about this? <laughs> I, I may have gone too far the other way. I understand. All right, so okay, so you've lost Carlton. Well, no, hang on. So you've well, already no, lost okay. four. So but you're out of final contention. Is that what you're this saying? is why I needed an external opinion. Okay. I, like, at the moment, I've found a lump on my body and I've okay. gone to Google and I'm convinced I have a terminal disease. But now I'm running it yep. by an independent person. Okay. Okay. Well, I will say Adelaide right. is definitely a concern. You should get that spot checked out. I'd say Carlton looks uh, benign, but you should definitely have a look. Gold Coast, I don't think anything to worry about there. It's not raised off the skin or anything like that. It looks just like a freckle. Essendon, I think, I think you should get it checked out. But what about this? Uh, what about this Brisbane Lions I have here? Uh, that's fine, mate. That's You're not worried about the fact that this weekend there was, was a lot more awareness <laughs> of the Brisbane Lions, and suddenly people are going, "Well, maybe I have a little. I should worry about Brisbane Lions myself." No, no, they 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 were they were bound to have a game like that. They're not. Well, I am very reassured uh, by what you've said so far. I must admit. Uh, how do you feel about this GWS I have here? <laughs> you have cancer, and you've got three weeks to live. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Port Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you'll lose that too, <laughs> unless, unless it's. I think in we Melbourne, played him in Adelaide last time. If you're in Adelaide, maybe. you'll lose. That. I can't remember. I'm no um, good with that stuff. But I mean, 
I, I would still be tempted to tip port even if it was in Melbourne. <laughs> All right. So I don't think that's I don't think that's looking very well, good. That's, I think you should get that three. checked out as that's well. That's the three we can. That's the three, right? And we probably miss the finals if we lose those three. But what about Hawthorne in the final round? Uh, they'll beat you. I think they'll beat you. Basically, what I'm saying, Will, is when you're getting your moles looked at on your skin, you've had a stroke in the doctor's <laughs> office as well just to really finalize things. No. Uh, it's not a good run I home. mean, you get a tougher a run, run when you're the premiers. Like, you do get a tougher draw. But that's a... It feels like a tough run home. I, I'm not optimistic. I'm now at the point where in some ways, and I hope this is not true, I hope there's a miracle recovery, but I feel like if this is a patient, I now feel like I'm at the place where I'm going, okay, we've been given a prognosis. I just want to enjoy the time I have with you. You know what? Last year we had yeah. such a great year together and I just want to remember that. I don't want to remember you like this. I just want to support you through this. And yeah. now I can sort of go through the process of grieving and reconciling and appreciate what, you know, the truth is there's 18 teams in this competition. If you could win the competition once every 18 years, that'd be a treat. We won it last year. I got to see it. I can be happy about that. And I feel like that's the point I'm at now. Yeah. I, I, I think you should, Will, because honestly, uh, the Bulldogs are in a better place. Uh, they'll always have the the memories of, of 2016. I mean, I'm looking at that run home, and yeah, the only well, gimme I don't even think, is Brisbane. Nothing is a fucking gimme. And even gimme. that's not really like, a gimme. That, that's a, that's yeah. even just unpredictable stuff. Like, I haven't even counted in the crazy that this season will throw. There'll be a fucking two draws in that. That'll, that'll complicate it. We'll have two draws. Like, one would have been fine, but two. That'll be the thing that fucking complicates it. Okay, well, I think what you need here is a little bit of perspective because, yes, although it looks like you may lose most of those games, this is a kind of season where you could look at anyone's run home and anything could happen. So, Okay, all I would, all I would say firstly is, just if we want to extend the analogy from before, I feel yeah. like losing the Bulldogs this season is like losing someone yeah. who has like been lucky enough to grow to the prime of their life, but now they've like dropped dead at the prime of their life. Whereas like St Kilda, yeah, they died doing what they love, but they died too soon. That's what I feel like the Bulldogs story will be. Whereas like St Kilda, if they died now, you'd be like, oh, I'm so sad they died because they had so much potential. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've been saying that for 117 fucking years. All right, run, it, run us through their run home. That's all we are is potential. Okay, so... So uh, this week is, is we're taking on the Tigers. Now, Tigers hot form, probably in the best yeah. form, the form team of the competition, you would say. So all right, we can chalk yeah, that up as a loss. Right. Let's be fucking, let's be real about this. Probably lose that game, right? Essendon. Toss of the uh, I reckon we could win that game. Yeah, probably. Toss of the coin. Sydney, loss. Port Adelaide. <laughs> It's just not looking good, is it? What? Like Loss? if you're laying in the bed, you've just heard the machine stop West making Coast. noise and you just go, Well, that can't be a good thing. <laughs> we got Port Adelaide. We've got West Coast in Melbourne, but they beat you in Melbourne. Melbourne, who knows what the fuck's going on with Melbourne? Jack Viney's gone, Tom Bug probably is fucking will be in Pentridge by then. North Melbourne, that's a win. Yeah, North Melbourne and then Richmond again. So look. Of that lineup, Richmond, Essendon, Sydney, Port, West Coast, Melbourne, North, Richmond—the only shoe in you'd say would be North. I, 
So don't feel too bad, Will. <laughs> I am also I am also getting a terrible diagnosis. Well, here's doctor, what I'm going to say: is that you know when Ross Lyon didn't know what a litmus test was. Uh, well, here's the thing. I think St yeah. Kilda are going to be Richmond's litmus test this season. We're going to get a read on the Richmond now, and then we're going to get to take their temperature just before the finals, and we're going to get to see, and as an accurate comparison, because they play the Saints twice. Saints are going to be Richmond's litmus test. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because in the middle, they can have some control games to work out, you know, where they're sitting. But then by the time we play them again in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks, you'll get an idea of how they And has somebody worked out a way to beat them? Say, for example, Richmond beat beat you guys the first time. Have the Saints come up with some way to like... Or maybe you guys do the whole attack rants thing that will probably be in vogue for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I was just saying, I was going to say that. That seems to be the way, but Rance is such a superstar, it's very hard to fucking Patty McCartan, mate. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's put Patty McCartan on Alex nah, Rance, a guy who's played 20 games fucking, and can barely stay on the field. That seems like a nah, good matchup. No, mate, you're fucking Liam Jones. the best it. defender That's in the, the game. Vogue's thing. And you fucking flip him to the back line, <laughs> and he's, you actually use his propensity to knock heads with other players as an advantage. They just go, get out there, Tiger, and just barrel into Ramsey whenever you can. Use your clumsiness as you lead with your deficit. Make it your positive. I don't know that that is necessarily a good approach. I was uh, actually at the Port Richmond game this week, and I watched that. I've got to say, I don't think... I mean, I'm sure I've seen Alex Rance live in my lifetime, but that's the first time I've gone to a game and specifically watched Alex Rance. And he, I think I have a huge man crush on Alex Rance. I think I love the way he plays football. Like to see, I mean, he was being sat on in that first half, but to see the way he attacks the ball, like it is such a cavalier approach to the way he plays football. Like he's got that, he's a good looking dude. He's very athletic. And the way he approaches a contest is like the way Errol Flynn would swing on a rope, swinging a sword into battle. You know what I mean? Like he's just a, he looks like a super, he looks like fucking Clark Kent has ripped off the glasses, torn open his shirt and is about to take flight. He's amazing. I mean, I honestly feel, is he like a Mormon? Is that what he is? What's his religion? I don't know. We've been doing this show for two years and we have not yet once. Uh, Michael, can you tell us what religion uh, Alex Rance is, please? Yeah, here's the thing. And then, I, know we, I know we've had this conversation before, but I can't remember us ever actually resolving what the answer to this question was. It's, it's either Mormon, Seventh-day Adventist, Lutheran, or Jehovah's Witness. Right. It's one of those things, right? Whichever of those things that it is, he's got to be their best advertisement for it at the moment, right? He's a Jehovah's He's Witness. He's a Jehovah's Witness. So like Prince was a Jehovah's Witness, right? Are they the door knockers? Door knockers, yeah. So, I mean, wouldn't you love to have Alex Rance knock on your door? I mean, the, that he don't have to do one fist. He would probably take a running leap from your front gate, just bang, just one knock, clear the door off the hinges. Well, you know what it probably is. That's probably why his fucking arm is so powerful in those contests. It was all those fucking years of door knocking. Like, he just built up. Like, that's him naturally working out for what his chosen profession was going to be. And again, like, he's, you know, the way that he attacks every contest without any reservation, like, is the sort of thing that you mm. would have to have to go from one door to another where you were getting rejection, rejection, rejection. That would build up in your mind this idea of going, well, rejection is just part of this, you know, this process. 
Oh, mate, if you uh, are getting battle-hardened for rejection, playing for the Tigers would be fantastic. Like, he could not have had a better training ground, right? I mean, when we're talking about Richmondy, I think the one thing that got overlooked, partly because of the timing of our podcast last week, and partly because some of them just got, like, erased by us. Um, so, <laughs> I was about to try to blame someone else, but... Yeah, it was was bloody Thomas Bug. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. So you referenced that, uh, the Bashahooli thing, which, you know, Mm. was crazy. But I think we should reflect on, like, even at the fucking tribunal, Richmond bring Richmondiness. Like, if you were going to talk about a week where a dude who's never, ever like being violent on the field or punch someone before suddenly fucking hit someone on the field. Like they bring in like the highest profile TV star. They bring in like, like the prime minister of the country as character evidence. They have this trial. They give him like a penalty that they should not have given him. Then the AFL, like for who never yeah. overturn anything, they step in and they go, no, 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 it's back to four weeks. Like Richmond, are Richmondy even off the field? Yeah, you're right. I, I, I can't believe we didn't actually see that straight away, but you're right. It was the most Richmondy of a suspension you could ever hope for. So like, Richmondy, right? Because essentially, like, if you view it from a Richmond supporter's perspective, it fits in totally with the MO, which is like, oh, he only got two weeks. Oh, that's good. Or oh, what? They're fucking putting their foot down and suspending him for four weeks? How does that happen? Because it's fucking Richmondy. That's how it happens. But the thing about Richmond is they've got to invite you into the story in the first place. The drama of this, like literally this guy who's this pinnacle of the game, who if you had to make a list of the people who might accidentally bash someone in the face during the season, Bash Hawley would come last on most people's list. So already you've got yeah. the intrigue of this guy who would never do this, doing this thing and being embroiled in this. Then you've got the added yeah. drama of all the like melodrama around it. You know, it skips, skips yeah. the match review panel. It's the first time they go to the tribe tribunal for the season like this is all the a yeah. storylines if richmond were in the wrestling yeah. richmond of the fucking rock and this then this week you find out that the diversity manager who uh who spoke on behalf of basher hawley also got suspended this week for punching a guy in the face like, like i know he doesn't play for richmond but he's richmondy by association i don't know how you explain this i don't know what the like there must be some scientific explanation of this but um that idea that things seem to come in. Like, you know, where there's like a story on the news that like someone just drove their car into the ha- and out into someone's house. Then like the next yeah. three days, there'll just suddenly be other stories of people driving their cars into someone's house or like <laughs> someone will throw a big party and then there's like three other parties that just seem to happen yeah. in that time. It feels like that's what's happened with this. Like we never have anyone punch anyone in the face anymore. And it happened by accident, and then it happened on purpose. And then, when you just didn't, it could not get any more fucking crazy. It happened like a a guy from the AFL did it. Like, who's there fucking? Like, if you were going to pick the guy in the building who is least likely by their job description to fucking punch anyone in the face, that guy. Like, this is a fucking crazy storyline that we are not appreciating what this happened to us in the punching people in the face little fucking moment we're having here. And you're right. And it started with Richmond. They fucking, like it bled out into other parts of the AFL. Richmond have given us so much this season. It'd be a travesty if they did not go the whole way and then fuck it up somehow. (laughs) 
Well, uh, uh, I know um, we don't very uh, we don't very often do this, but let's talk about some football. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> so we'll the first it. game of last round was uh, Sydney eleven nineteen eighty five crushed a very disappointing, dispirited, and injured Melbourne seven eight fifty. Um, Okay, let's, uh, we brushed over it. Let's talk about the bug incident. Uh, the tribunal handed down a six-week suspension today, which I think is on par with what Barry Hall got for the Brett Staker hit. Yeah, and the other, I mean, it, it felt about right because it was on, on, on purpose punching the face of somebody. Um, I would have given him slightly less than Barry Hall for two reasons. Firstly, just if you ask me, who would you rather get punched in the face by, Barry Hall or Thomas Bug? I would say Thomas Bug every day. So you should get a week or two for that. Uh, secondly, I think like you know, just for all the good headlines, you know, Bug on face, slap Bug off face. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of good Bug puns, uh, which came with it. Yeah, Bug gets squashed. Uh, thirdly, uh, for the fact that he uh, did an interview straight after the game, like this is the world we live in now with footy, that he did an interview after the match about the incident in the match. Like I just can't remember a time where we live in this world where, you know, that sort of shit would happen. Like Barry Hall that week was apologizing for it because it's haunted him for 10 years and Buggy was over it by three quarter time. It's funny, I've just, I've just pulled up his statement from the tribunal today, which is interesting because that interview he gave straight after the, the match, he, I mean, I don't know if he was just trying to hedge his bets a bit, but he said it wasn't his intention to punch him in the face. Right. I'm just reading his statement now of the tribunal. He seems to have ex- uh, exercised that from, uh, from, from his statement. I, I, now it's just an unapologetic, uh, sorry, it is an, it's an apology strictly directly to Callum Mills and his family. I want to apologise to Callum Mills, his family and the Sydney Swans and the AFL and the wider community. I'm standing here tonight very embarrassed by my actions. I fully accept the sanction that's been served. I'm feeling very embarrassed and I'm going for and going forward, I have a lot of work to do to earn back the respect of my captains, the, my fellow players and my coach. My call to Callum was very genuine to see if he was okay and if his family was travelling okay. I'm really embarrassed by the third mention of embarrassment. I'm really embarrassed by what I did on Friday night and I accept the full responsibility for my actions. So you notice there's none of that football talk of if anyone was offended by what I did, I'm sorry. Like he's actually taken it. That's just good. It's a nice change. I mean, that was mitigated a little bit by the Instagram that he sent saying, I'm coming for you, Callum. (laughs) Just a photo of his fist. You ready for this, Callum? (laughs) I'm looking forward to just working over the next six weeks to earn back respect from my club, players, and everyone in the wider community. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I do think the way that... I mean, look, you don't know what's going through a guy's head, but he punched a dude in the face. Like, it was very deliberately... Oh, it didn't look like a jumper punch. It, like, at least the Basher Hooley thing, to me, felt like a fend-off, or at least, you know, he was trying to break a tackle. But that was like a full-on, I'm just going to punch him in the jaw. Well, Okay. I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, and I have no idea. But just for the purpose of this exercise, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, let's just assume everybody has reasonably good intentions, which we know is not the way of the world. But let's just assume that as a starting point, right? Everyone yeah. starts out he's a competitive. Wanting- he's a competitive beast. He's just a competitor. Right. So I, I would say that Basha Hooli, I actually believe the fact that, like, it's very out of character for him to intentionally punch someone. I think he was probably throwing his fist back to knock someone's... like Breaky tackle. Right. But yeah. he hit him in the face and you have to cop that because you hit someone in the face and that's against the rules, right? 
Like you go to tackle somebody sometimes and you tackle them over the shoulders instead of over the waist and they penalize you because it's against the rules. What he did was against the rules. It doesn't matter what his motivations were, right? That's what I think about Bashir yeah. Hawley. Best case scenario, right? Yeah. I was not called to give yeah. evidence, but that was the evidence I would have given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they were going down the list, uh, Malcolm Turnbull, Will Anderson? No, no. We, we won't be able to fly him down here to give a statement anyway. <laughs> He's on a plane with Robert Gronewagen and Margaret Court. He'll be there by Tuesday. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, okay, so hit. we'd bug. They were running and it was a to and fro and it could have been one of those things that in the old days would have been almost like a, a jumper punch reaction. He would have grabbed him by the jumper yeah. and kind of did that thing. But because they're running, he throws out his fist to kind of, you know, punch him in the top of the chest because apparently you're allowed to do that, but your face you're not allowed to. And he miscalculates and punches him in the head. Like best case scenario, right? Yeah. That's still six I mean, weeks. I, I, yeah, 100%. And, and the thing is, I'm amazed this doesn't happen more often because I will watch games where at the start, you know, people players run out to their positions and there's a bit of argy-bargy. There's always a bit of testing players out, you know. They'll run out, they'll bump each other, they'll push and shove, they'll push and shove. Like, it's amazing how controlled they are because some of those situations get pretty heated, even when there's like a melee. Like, you've got dudes like, you know, rolling around on top of each other. The fact that there aren't more big hits being thrown. This thing, though, was not the crazy uh, high-adrenaline situation of the opening of a game or a melee or anything Four minutes had passed by. He was one-on-one with this dude. Like, it, it takes tremendous amount of focus and, and direction to hit someone square on the jaw like he did. Okay, but here's what I'm going to say. Again, best case okay. scenario. I've been called... Yep. Like, it turns out that Thomas Bug couldn't get the same high caliber of witnesses <laughs> as Basha <laughs> Hooley could. So he's gone far enough down the list that I've been called as a witness. So here's what yep. I would say is... Have you seen any of these fuckers kick for goal? Because I say to you, ladies and members of the tribunal jury. Uh, oh, my Thomas Bug just puts his head into his hands. Oh, my God. Why don't I let this guy have a microphone? I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, your majesties, please, if I may have the floor to sum up my argument, quid pro quo, Dr. Lecter, in the words of... Uh, Thomas Hill Smith, I don't know who that is, I assume he's an important lawyer. Thomas Bug, you must acquit, because he ain't shit. (laughs) Will, just sit down. You're making things worse. (laughs) What I would say is, these are professionals who are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to, to master a set of functions, some of which are handball and kicking and some of which are kicking for goal. And one of the measurables that in this modern day game that is constantly lamented by people is the idea that despite the fact that they paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, they cannot do the one thing that would really be valuable, which is kick accurately for goal. So you're telling me in the heat of the moment, in a high-speed situation, that Thomas Bug has 100% accurate control, like he's some sort of Hawkeye of, like, punching, which is not even a thing that he is a professionally trained at. Like, he might punch, like, yeah. three times a year, and you're saying he has 100% accuracy in the three times he punches versus his professional football life when he has, like, a 72% efficiency and disposal <laughs> rate. I look at... Just read the statistics, mate. Wake up, sheeple. Just have a listen to this. Exhibit 9, 
It's this first. It's the first court case or tribunal case ever where the person speaking on behalf of the defendant has been suspended for wasting everyone's time. <laughs> Will Anderson also gets six weeks from what? From just fucking being Will Anderson. Callum Mills punches me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be the perfect like. He call, so Thomas Bug calls you in to mount his defence. You do such a terrible job that the tribunal say the only way we can square this up is to have Callum Mills come in and punch Will in the face. And you're like, well, why doesn't he punch Thomas Bug? That seems like a more screwing in the ledger. It's like, no, 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 no. Anderson wasted too much of our time. Oh, I, oh I'm so ambitious and cocky about my defence that I've mounted. and say, In fact, I am so confident of my proposal, Russian roulette style, that I will stand here in the court and let Thomas Bug throw <laughs> the first punch, <laughs> and I am confident it will not hit me directly in the jaw. <laughs> yeah. Cut to hospital. Thomas, I'd like to start across the courtroom for me. Just close your eyes, walk towards me, start swinging. <laughs> woo, 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 woo. <laughs> Ambulance straight to the hospital. Seemed like a foolproof plan. I don't know what went wrong. Uh, we should talk about the Swans for a bit. Okay, so Melbourne Melbourne are in a bit of serious bother at the moment. They've got yeah. injuries, suspensions. The gloss has gone off them a little bit. Do you think they have a discipline problem? I mean, sorry, I know we, I said let's talk about the Swans, but let's just finish up on the Demons. <laughs> Do they have a discipline problem? Uh, yeah, probably a little. But that's what we liked about them like a week ago when they were winning. And if they'd won this week... Yeah there would have been a spin on this that like, it was like, well, you know, Melbourne, they play on the edge, but is that the thing that's like, when we tell our stories based on loose evidence, based on pretty much the results at the end of it. So Melbourne are fine. They're going very well. They were due a loss and they had lots of reasons to lose that game. History. But no, but you're right. What you said, which is that Sydney is the story here. Like, yeah, this is like, if Sydney, like, Sydney have just been quietly building something. Speaking about, like, being the complete opposite of Richmond, Richmond are just showing us fucking everything they've got. Like, I've never been more intrigued with, like, a fucking team in a season. And I back for the Bulldogs and this Richmond story and what's fucking happening this season. I mean, it's given us mm. so much on and off the field, where it will go. But meantime, yeah. in the background... And the crazy thing is, like, they should have lost twice already. Like, they won two games where they got out of jail. So this story, like, shouldn't even be happening. But I guess if you believe in karma, this evens out the bad luck they had with injuries and stuff at the start of the season. I mean, it is the kind of season where a team that didn't win the first six games won the flag, right? Right. I mean, that's a compelling other argument. This is like um, people... I watch Survivor. I love Survivor. But there's various ways to play the game of Survivor. You could be like a physical threat or you could be like a strategic threat. You know, you can be good at the social game. And you've also got to then put people on the jury who will vote for you. So there's very different strategies. And often you'll find three people in the final tribal council who all played the game in very different ways. This is what this feels like. This feels like a really cool final tribal council where imagine if it was Richmond and the Swans, you'd have two very compelling mm. stories to tell. The team that constantly entertained you and led you on this merry dance all season or yes. the team that played it on the quiet, just like let everyone write them off and then just got voted through because they weren't a threat and then quietly built yes. their game and their resume and then maybe they are in fact the ultimate survivor. I mean, if they win the premiership this year, we can all get mad at Essendon, right? It's all their fucking fault. I mean, if if Sydney win the pre- if Sydney win the premiership this year, 
You can tell that story proudly as a Sydney football club. That's all I would say. Like, I would not be. Oh, like fucking Swan supporters need another fucking story to tell. They've had plenty, mate. They've had plenty. I don't... Look, I don't feel nearly as badly about the Swans as I do about Carlton, but I don't want to see the Swans win a flag. I love them. I think they're great. I love all their players, but they've had enough. They've had two bites of the cherry. That's enough. Settle down. Pipe down, Sydney. You need to... And look, we'll get to fucking Hawthorne, but they're probably going to be back playing finals in about two years as well. So just fucking... Everyone just chill for a bit. Let these other teams, let the Saints and the Bulldogs and the Tigers have some time in the sun. Can we, before the Swans and Hawthorne become really good again? Just, just fucking one season. Just one season. Please. You know what I love is, last week I said, because we're doing this show over Skype again tonight, that when you go on these rants, you really do feel like one of those Alex Jones type like conspiracy dudes who are just like yelling at people about why they won't wake up about society. And just Sheeple. in the same pattern as they have, second weekend you've realized, okay, I've got a winning formula, but I need to expand my brief. So it's not enough to just complain about climate change. The next week you've got to bring in like feminazis or something and you've really yeah, just yeah. roped in Hawthorne and the Swans all in the same... Well, well, I mean, it, but it makes sense, right? Well, not the Swans so much, but it's the Hawks. Like Hawthorne, uh, if, if Carlton are the prototype, then Hawthorne are the new model. Like Hawthorne are the, the, the team that drive you nuts with their arrogance and their, and their, and their just their lack of care about these fucking shitted teams Sydney you will always have a bit of respect for because they're the bloods but I don't know how long how much longer that's going to last like I think Sydney whatever working class roots Sydney had or whatever working class cred they had was lost when they got Kirk Tippett and then Buddy to the club I think that no dickhead policy sort of went out the window around about then. I still love watching the Swans play because I do like the way they play football and I do like a lot of their players. I, but think, I, that blood's mean I, co- I see think that blood's culture is still really important to them. I mean, I have heard that um, when they play Carlton, um, they actually really desperately want to win that game because of the Crips. Boo. Podcast is over. Thank you. Boo. Thank you very much. Boo. No, that's racist. I would say you're, dro- you're only booing because you're a racist. <laughs> I would say drop the mic, but I know with your back, you wouldn't be able to pick it up again. <laughs> Mike, how can we move on to the next game? I can't remember what it is. Oh, shit. Well, what, uh, what was the next game? I, w- I watched the first half of this and then the fucking son Ed Eddie had and the Bulldogs were combined to go make me... Tune into the other game that was on at the same time, uh, but here's what I would say: Is the West Coast? Wait, on, let's give the score. West Coast twelve fifteen eighty seven defeated the Bulldogs eleven fourteen eighty. Continue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> West Coast were good. I think. I mean, I've like of the two of us, I've always been a bit more certain of West Coast. I've always thought they were a final eight team, and they needed a victory like this. They didn't play convincingly in the way that you would think they can do a lot in the finals, but they played well enough. And the Bulldogs, mm. I don't think, of, are very good at the moment. I've, that's the truth. Like, I just don't feel like they're very good at the moment. They still nearly did enough to win it. They got within one point in the final quarter. So, you know, obviously they could have then won it, but there's a lot of them that aren't going very well, and it's very hard to find. I know this is something I said earlier in the season, but... So, for the people at home, 
let's just give them a little insight into what goes on behind the scenes of this podcast. You and I are in different states at the moment. Uh, so we're recording mm. over Skype. And- you are I in different states generally, <laughs> I think. Emotionally, physically. Oh, God. Don't tell me it's frozen again. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Ah! Shit. Would it, maybe I need to shut down. What if we go to just audio only? Would that help? All okay, right. let's just turn off the videos for now. Let's see if we can do it just fucking yeah, audio only. No uh, how do I turn off the camera? <laughs> That's what I was about to ask. Okay, my, cam- my camera's oh, off. Yeah, like that. T- turn your camera off. Yep. Okay, got it. Okay, let's, let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> fucking hell. All right. So, for, for those uh, at home, for those behind the scenes... <laughs> Going to give a little insight into uh, how this uh, brilliant uh, football podcast is brought to you uh, <laughs> weekly or mostly every week. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Uh, um, we, we're in different states at the moment, Charlie and I. It's fair to say. Yes, Charlie? Yep, I agree. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so we're recording this over Skype. Uh, through the miracle of the internet, our producer, Mike Hal, who lives in the United States of America, has stayed up until three o'clock in the morning. In fact, it is officially, uh, for him, American Independence Day. And he is celebrating that by uh, staying up and listening to this fucking AFL football podcast uh, that where the Skype keeps dropping out and freezing, uh, including in a hilarious way uh, for you recently where we both screen grabbed it and we will be able to sell that image for a lot of money. Uh, the guy from Home yeah. and Away making that face. But... Uh, here's the thing I have uh, now had to say four times uh, over and over something that I said the first time as a spontaneous comment but it's going to be a pickup point uh, to get back into the podcast because we switched off the Skype and now we're just on audio and we're giving it a crack to see if that'll be better Uh, so I've had to say this same thing over and over and over again. And it's not a thing that I enjoyed saying the first time. It's certainly not a thing that I'm going to enjoy saying to you right now. But here it is. Uh, The fact that I've said it four other times has not in any way diminished uh, my resilience uh, to this point. It is hard for me to find a player at the Western Bulldogs who is having a better season than they had last year, Charlie. And you can't win the premiership if that is the case. You don't say. What a fresh and original point. I haven't heard that observation before. You're right, Will. Um, do you watch Access All Areas on the AFL website on a Monday, which is the Gary Lyon, Purple and Matthew Lloyd show? No, but I must say this. Here's what I will say. It's surprising yeah. that I don't because what I have found myself in recently is quite a purple hole. Right. Yeah, I have found myself... like I've, I've started listening to... Purple and Hutchies, you know, the tongue pasha, uh, the uh, alleyway <laughs> Outside Eve Nightclub. <laughs> he, has a, he has a podcast with Purple, uh, the sound yeah. board, and I quite like it. And uh, I, I listen to it and I, I've become a bit of a Purple devotee. I'm, I'm, I'm in this really? Po- yeah, I'm in this Purple. Oh. Yeah, I'm in a Purple hole. Uh, you're in a Purple patch? I'm in a Purple patch. I'm literally experiencing a Purple patch. Oh, I don't 
don't know if Mike Hal's put the fucking uh, siren uh, break music in, but this is painful. This is our second attempt at this particular thread after Will's four attempts to talk about how no Bulldogs player has gotten better. But I will give it a go regardless. Well, here's what I would say is it feels like one of those periods of the game where your team is just chipping it around endlessly in the back line, trying to fucking... You know what it is? It's fucking turnover city. We keep turning it over. Like, you kick it into my, to me, I kick it to you. None of us can get any fluidity in our play. I don't feel like it's our fault, though. I feel like we're being shut down by an opposition that is using a tactic on us that uh, is proving very effective. <laughs> yeah, we're being flooded. It's we're being fucking game. Alex Ranst. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, access all areas with Gary Lyon, Purple, and Matthew Lloyd. I don't mind Matthew Lloyd, but... The, the longer I watch that, the more I cannot stand Purple and Gary Lyon. And Gary Lyon made the assertion this week that he's gone, it's a hangover for the Bulldogs. It's got to be, it can't be anything else. It's, it's just got to be a hangover and they've got to come out and admit it. It's like, hang on, this is one of those fucking seasons where anything could happen. Like it's the kind of season where the reigning premiers may not make the finals, right? Oh yeah, we we might slip from seventh to ninth, and yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, that wouldn't be the you know the biggest surprise of this like crazy fucking season. I, I must say, when it comes to Gary Lyon, despite the fact that I've been in this purple patch, when it comes to Gary Lyon, I listen to his <laughs> SEN breakfast show because it's a good way to keep up with like the sports news, and I find it entertaining mm. enough, um, and I and I quite like him on that. But I watch Footy uh, Classified. And right. it, it, I don't like him on that. It's so weird where you're just like, ah, oh, I don't think I like you when you have firmer opinions. I quite like you when you're having a chat in the morning, you haven't quite fir- like firmed up your opinions yet. But when you're like firm, I don't enjoy it. I'm like someone who likes a flaccid penis. I like a flaccid Gary Lyon, <laughs> not a fully rigid Lyon. But do you get the sense with Gary Lyon that I feel like... He is so like annoyed by the events of the week in the AFL. Like when I watch Access All Areas, it's like, mate, if the game like annoys you that much, if like, you know, the 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 Nick Revolt incident, the Nick Revolt calling for the ball and getting and winning the fifty, he compared it to diving. <laughs> like, uh, I, know. I mean, like that's why they don't like put people like Bruce McAvaney on those shows, though, right? Like, think about this: Bruce McAvaney, who's the greatest football caller like this country has ever fucking had, right? Despite people who like will mock and whatever, Bruce, you need a Bruce, right? He's a cheerleader yeah. for the game, but he doesn't get on those sort of shows because he doesn't have like firm opinions. Because Bruce is like a fucking puppy. Because if you just had to translate for a dog every one of fucking Bruce's commentary, <laughs> it would be. He's a good boy, and he's a good boy, and he's a good boy. How good's footy? He's a good boy. He's a good boy. How good's footy? But, like, there's this bit of you where, like, I mean, obviously, recently, I went through something a bit fucking traumatic, and it wasn't my fault, but, like, uh, even, like, because of that, I've had, like, an outlook on life where I, like, feel a, a certain level of empathy for other people who are going through things that are much more traumatic than the thing that I went through. Because I'm like, oh, I'm mm. feeling bad. Imagine how bad they'd be feeling. Like, Gary Lyon has had some rough times and he's bounced back really well. You reckon his attitude might just be a bit more, fucking how good's footy? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. If this is what we're talking about, if you're going to put a microphone in front of me and that's all you're going to ask me about, I'm okay with that. If you're asking me about how the Bulldogs are and not about anything in my personal life, fuck them, mate. It's footy. Who cares? They won last year. You can't win every year. It's fine, mate. Even if it is a hangover, good on them. They won the fucking premiership. I'm happy. My life's complete. It's okay, guys. You know what? Fucking I've got a hangover too. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's taken me the entire season to get off the Bulldogs. Like, I think I was the bigger cheerleader of the Bulldogs this year than you were. But now I can't. Like, it's just the evidence is stacked up so high that I'm like, geez, they're they're, they're really struggling. And I kind of feel like what I'm keen to see is what Bevo's got in in the grab bag. Because to me, it's like Bevo's the cool teacher. And for a couple of years... Bevo's been coming into the classroom. He's been turning around the chair backwards. He's been sitting down. He's been leveling with the kids. He's been doing some classes outside. It's a sunny day. You know what? Put the books down, guys. We're going to go outside. We're going to fucking learn outside today. He is the, oh, captain, my captain kind of coach. But there is a miscommunication happening somewhere. And I want to know what Bevo's new age, hey, I'm young, I'm hip, I'm the prototypical modern coach approach will be to get this team back on track. Well, here's the thing. This is the great tragedy. We never saw Dead Poet Society too, you know. Like, we don't know how Robin mm. Williams as a teacher might have come back and sort of had to then put together that group of kids who are, like, obviously suffering a loss of, like, people amongst them. Like, it's a new generation. Like, you know, the play's gone well, but it hasn't been, you know, like, there's been tragedy afterwards. There's a whole, like, a lot of things that you have to deal with. We don't know what his second oh captain my captain fucking moment would have been do you know what i mean like maybe he, he he did all his good stuff you know up front and maybe he doesn't have a second gear but i here's what i would say as a supporter here's what i think i owe the bulldogs this is what i would say is they gave us as bulldogs fans so much last year that the least we can do is fucking support them regardless like i oh, hope yeah i hope of that course. it's going to go better like, you know, I hope it's, you know what it is? It's like going, you know what? Maybe if this season is like going to see Pearl Jam now and they play a few songs off the new album, but you know what? Yeah. You get, like fucking how good was last year? And that, you know, yeah. they'll remind you of that a bit. They'll still play better, Mate, man. It'll be fine. If you, if I fucking heard you complain, like if every time I spoke to you, it was all woe is me and the Bulldogs are shit and we should trade Stringer and shit. I would slap you across the face as hard as I could. Oh. Because you fucking, that club in my book has bought you a few years of goodwill. Even if you fucking like struggle for the next couple of years, they have bought you some goodwill. Well, here's what I would say. It's like, if I'm being completely and 100% honest, all I wanted, all I ever asked for was to see it happen once. And it happened and I got to see it. Like, that's all I asked for. You can't fucking go to the genie and say, oh, actually, you know, first wish is I want like five more wishes. Like, I mean, if that happened, like if the genie's like, oh, your first wish was so good, I'm going to give you a couple of extra, you know what, like a coffee card. You've made three wishes, you get two extra wishes. Like if I was Hawthorne, I'd be fine with that. It'd be great to be a good team for ages. But all I asked for was to see it once and they let me see it once. And I will always like, I don't, it doesn't, I'd love if it was better. And I'd love if this was like an era of greatness and I hope it is. And I have faith in them this year still. I'm like, I don't think it's beyond them if they can play at their best that they can not only make it better, be a team that troubles other teams. Like them at their best is still a very good team. It just feels like to me they're a very long way away from their best. 
Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Like, I just keep thinking about Hawthorne in 2009. You know what I mean? Like, they were ahead of schedule. So who fucking knows where you guys will be in a couple of years' time? Like, maybe you just jump the gun and you'll just reshuffle and you'll, you know, you'll retire a couple of players, you'll get some draft picks, and who knows? The thing is, like, most of your guns are all young. Like, again, fucking Gary Lyon or one of those guys was calling for a trading of, of, of Jake Stringer. I'm like, don't be fucking stupid. Like... To quote our uh, sister podcast, AFL Junk Time, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, all right? Like, Jake Jake Stringer's had an inconsistent season. I heard, uh, I think it might have been Richo, Matthew Richardson, who said... Oh, was it uh, Richo? That's that's who it was, yeah. And normally I think that Richo's on pretty much on point with his footy stuff. Like, I really enjoy him as a commentator, and I think... Even even with the goalpost stuff? I'm I'm fucking on his side with the goalpost thing. Like, I don't want our previous... conversations on this podcast to let me like have the impression out there that i'm not on richo's side i get it i totally understand it i'm like and even if i didn't like i like richo enough for all the other things i like richo about that that'd be the thing that like you know if you have a friend who like you know like they're your best fucking friend and you really love them and you just love everything about them but they're like anti-vax or something and you're like you know what i like them enough that i just won't bring that up at dinner like that's how i'd feel about richo (laughs) and his goal thing if I wasn't on his side, but I secretly, I'm like, hey, oh, yeah, I reckon that's true too, mate. Like, I'd, I'd be on his side <laughs> at a dinner party. Yeah, I, I think that this is fine. Like, it, it sucks because you don't want to spend an entire year watching your team, like, you know, lose games they should win and blah, blah, blah. But, mate, I mean, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Like, it, it, it's like hearing... Uh, a first, about first world problems like to hear Bulldog supporters complaining about this dud year that they're having right now is like oh my god I had to throw out my Chesterfield lounge because uh, it didn't fit in my enormous mansion you know what I mean well, like or, or it'd be there's well, bigger problems well, you know what it'd be it'd be like if Brad Pitt wrote an article about how he's been finding it hard to date yeah <laughs> you're like you know what mate you've, you've had your share <laughs> That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> uh, on Saturday, the Crows, uh, in a not unconvincing, but rather uninspiring fashion, 13-11-89, defeated the Blues, 12-5-77. Um, I'm okay with that. We know how we feel about Carlton. I don't need to go into my uh, my Alex Jones-style rant. But it's just, it's weird, Adelaide. I'm in Adelaide at the moment, as we've discussed before, and... I'm quite. I'm hoping that while I'm here, I'll get to see uh, the Crows play live uh, at Adelaide Oval because I just want to see that forward line in action. I haven't. I don't think I've seen you know that this modern uh, Crows forward line in action live in person, especially in Adelaide. Well, this but, is probably an off-air conversation, but I'm going to say it on air because I'll forget by the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Can just- you get me drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my mate Dean Robinson's been on the phone. <laughs> just got his credentials back. He's got an NRL job, and he wants to make one sneaky call. <laughs> no, um, Justin and I were meant to be going to the Bulldogs Adelaide game this week, um, right? Because, because uh, he got some, well, we both got some tickets from the AFL uh, for doing some like uh, videos uh, for their website earlier in the year uh, around the comedy yep. festival. 
And uh, we were both going to go to that game together. Uh, but because my back is so bad that I can't travel, um, I've had to cancel that. Also, because I looked at the fucking Bulldogs run home and I was like, my back <laughs> is so bad that I cannot travel. Plus, you know, I pretty much got kicked off a plane just so that I don't have to go to fucking Adelaide to see the Bulldogs <laughs> play at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah. That's not a game you want to go to. No. But where are the Crows at? Like, what's your gut feeling on them? They're not going as well as I thought they were going, but they're still going okay. That's my gut feeling. So would you put them below GWS and Richmond? I would say that, like, well, okay, okay. If, if I had to just, like, gut call at this, like, fucking stage of the season, this is my... Yeah. This is not sentimental. This is just my gut call on what I think. Um, I think GWS plays Sydney in the grand final. There you go. Um, uh, I think that's, at the moment, the most realistic situation. I know that sounds crazy because Sydney started at the back, but I just kind of trust them. I think they're a really trusted brand. And I think GWS like have just been creeping along, being on top of the ladder, despite like not having most of their team in for most of the season. So if they just get some kind of luck on the way in the finals and get like a half decent team back, they're going to be the two most unstoppable teams in the competition. I think that Adelaide are in that sort of like next two or three or four teams that are most likely to upset that scenario. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like you and I and probably most of the football public had installed Adelaide as being premiership favourites after five or six rounds. But there's just something that they've lost. They've just uh, It's not that they seem slow or unexciting. They just seem one-dimensional. Will, it's like they don't have another gear. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to believe they may not have another gear. Is there any chance that they've bought a manual and did not realise... Uh, they thought it was an automatic. <laughs> they, they're like, oh, yeah. we didn't even try to change gears. We didn't realize we need another gear. We've always drove a manual, uh, an automatic, but it's actually a manual. But also, I, I, part of me also feels like, you know how Geelong this season have had a couple of like, um, they've had some peaks and troughs. Adelaide could just be in a trough right now. Like maybe they're fucking, um, what do they call it? Loading in their, their training? What is that what they call it? Yeah, I think Adelaide, or something like that. I would say Adelaide are fine. I think Adelaide are doing the right thing to position themselves to be in the mix when it comes to the pointy end of the season. Okay. And what about Carlton? How do you feel about that? Carlton, I mean, here's the thing, Charlie. It's just so hard not to like them. <laughs> like, mm. it's just so... Like, yeah. I, did, I did love uh, one of our listeners. Uh, you can always post on the, our Facebook page. Uh, but one who uh, mentioned our Star Wars reference about the rise of the Empire and then posted a photo of Brendan Bolton next to a photo of Anakin Skywalker. And they do look disarmingly similar. Eerily. Eerily similar, right? Uh, like a, a friend of mine who's also listening to the podcast, uh, uh, Nick Taylor, he uh, he posted an anecdote that I, I, I posted on Twitter about why St Kilda fans hate Carlton. And he sort of uh, crystallized it. It's really John Elliott. Like he talked about working a, a bar job in 1998 at IMAX where John Elliott told him to get a real job <laughs> when he was serving him a drink as a 19-year-old university student. And for that point on, he was like, that's fucking this club. That's who they are. Like, But also, just for the record, about- what fucking life is John Elliott living where he's going from service person to service person telling them that they should not be doing the thing he's employing them to do? It seems very <laughs> counterproductive to your day. 
Yeah, it's, but it's, I think that pig's ass, John Elliott, like that bloated corporate fat cat. If you were to make like a Disney film in which like, you know, some kids with big hearts and clear eyes take on the, the man, you know, to liberate the world from some kind of evil clutch, it would be that, it would be John Elliott. Like he is the epitome of corporate corruption and greed. And Carlton for so long were painted with that brush. Oh, yeah, no, I could not agree with you more. He is like the personification of gout. <laughs> like if they had to He's do like gout. a TV campaign like for a chemist or whatever because they had a new gout cream and they had like some like what they wanted a friendly face of gout it would look like John Elliott we'll move up to the Gold Coast where the Suns 18-10-118 defeated the North Melbourne Kangaroos 14-15-99 now uh, this was a very uninspiring game. The Kangaroos made that scoreline look a lot better. I watched three quarters of this game and they were just toxic. It feels like at the moment what Brad Scott's doing is playing some guys out of position. It feels like this is a real, it's a chorus line. Basically, all the North Melbourne players are doing a little song and dance and Brad is slowly eliminating people as they get towards the end of the season. He's working out what he's got to work with. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I like I watched this game. We talked a lot about this game on our other podcast, Tofop, uh, because uh, obviously it was for the celebrity in the crowd, none other than uh, Dolph Lundgren, uh, my US next door neighbour, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, we now have something to talk uh, to him about uh, his love for the game of AFL and the ice cream <laughs> magnums uh, from the TV broadcast of this game. But I, I watched this. I. I it was one of those games where I was doing a couple other things. I was cooking and, and just kind of like, you know, doing some things around the house. But I was quite enjoying this game, I've got to say. And I think mostly it's just because I, I know I've said this before on the podcast, but it feels like it's like saying you like Coldplay or something like that. It feels like one of those things yeah. that like a lot of people clearly do, but it's uncool to say or whatever. I just love watching Gary Ablett play football. I just think, like, in his 300th, for him to not even play his best game of all time, but to still rack up, like, 35-plus possessions in that game, like, it was just it was just great to watch. It was just a professional going about his business. That's a perfect summation of it. You are a Gary Ablett fan. It is like, you're like that daggy dad who has, like, the best of Credence Clearwater Revival and puts it on every time he like, tries guys, to Like, guys, they're just school. a really good band. They wrote a good, lot of good songs. Yeah. <laughs> really, like, I like Gary Ablett. I mean, undoubtedly, he's one of the greatest players who ever played the game. But he's not sexy. Like, he's not a sexy player. But he's just one of those dudes that is... Really, you know what he is? He's the U2 of the AFL. Oh, like, I know it's not so cool true. to like U2, but come on. They have so many fucking songs that you know. You can always tap your foot to a U2 song. Gary Ablett is the AFL's U2. Well, yeah, he's in the same way as like if the DJ at the wedding goes to U2, he knows whatever I fucking roll out of whatever these albums, I'll get some people up on the dance floor. Like Mm. he is definitely U2. Like it's a good example of that. Um, I spent a little bit of my time that I should have been uh, using doing other things this week. But then again, I have a, a AFL football podcast, so I'm not making the best allocation of my available time. Uh, reading a list that Rolling Stone had put out of the 50 best U2 songs of all time. Yeah. And they had gone what? through it and each of them had like an explanation of the song and why they thought it made this list in that position. And then they had the song. And I spent, yeah. I probably ended up 
like reading them all and probably listening to 25 of them. They are, I think you could do the same with Gary Ablett. If somebody said, here's a list yeah. of Gary Ablett's 50 best games, I would spend a lot of my day watching the clips of those games. Now, the big controversy about this game was the seizure at uh, Gold Coast Airport. Apparently, uh, when North Melbourne arrived, there oh, yeah. was uh, a few of their cases were seized. They oh, busted yeah. open and they found a large import of Shinbona Spirit Well that never made it to the game. And that's why the kangaroos were a bit underwhelming because all that Shinbona Spirit was kept at the Gold Coast Airport. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Carmichael Hunt now works uh, in security at the Gold Coast Airport. I mean, it was weird he got the job uh, with his background, but they thought he was like, you need someone who knows what to look for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Kangaroos can put a line through this season. If they finish last, I think that's fine. If the Kangaroos get a number one draft pick out of this year, because it looks like Brisbane, look, I don't think Brisbane will win another game. But if they do and North end up finishing last, I think that's okay because I think North have some tools to work with. Poor old Jared Waite. I mean, his game is the summation of his career, right? Like, Well, Jared Jared Waite should play for Richmond. Yes, that makes sense. He's trying to bring a bit of Richmondy flavour to a team like North Melbourne, and it just doesn't fit in. You know what it is? He's just like sometimes when I watch Judy Davis movies, like she's a better actor than anybody else in the movie, and it actually kind of ruins the movie a little bit because you're like then very mm. aware that everybody's acting, even though like she's acting much better because she's not acting at the same level as everybody else. It makes you aware of like their weaknesses and also her weaknesses in some way, and it's the same with Jared White. You're just like, yeah, this is a great performance, but it doesn't belong in this movie. Two Guys, One Cup, your number one destination for Judy Davis references. (laughs) (laughs) Up at Spotless Stadium, the GWS Giants, 10866. 68, sorry. Drew Level with the Geelong Cats, 10868. Yes, we have more... There used to be famous Australian actor references coming up on this show. Uh, I didn't see this game. I only watched the coming on. So. <laughs> uh, I didn't see this game. Did you watch the, the, the Giants, Geelong? Yeah, I did watch this, actually. It was... Um, you know what? It, like, this... It made me think that either of these teams could win the premiership and it didn't actually make me think that either of them were unbeatable. That that was kind of the story of this game for me. Which I guess is like who, the story of a game that is a draw. Who of GWS, like not not that if you could draft this player to your club, but who is your favourite player at GWS? Because there's so many. It's like, who's your favourite Avenger? Who is your favourite player at GWS, do you think? Who do you get most excited about when they have the ball? Oh. <sighs> I mean, like you said, there are so many of them that you can enjoy. But I guess, I mean, I, I, I like much of the football world uh, find it hard to go past Josh Kelly. Like, I mean, he yeah. is like, he's just such a sublime, hard, brilliant sort of footballer that you, it's just a pleasure to watch yeah. him play football. But your next door neighbor is not a bad footballer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think Josh Kelly is the Harry Styles of GWS. Like, he's the obvious choice. Like, he's the one who's going to have Charlie a Charlie trying album, to bring man. back the younger demographic after my Judy Davis stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But Dylan Shield, I like. I know he's my neighbour, and I'm a bit biased. But he's fucking awesome. Like, if there was no Josh Kelly, I think he would be getting a lot more attention. Like, he is an amazing footballer. Like, his movement through traffic, his skills, the fact that he can work inside and outside. I mean, if Josh Kelly does go, and, you know, I don't think he will, but if Josh Kelly does go, then that's only going to help Dylan Shield. I mean, and the fact even that old mate, Smallhead. Um... <laughs> <laughs> John O'Patton. <laughs> no. I think of oh, his official name. Head. He's changed his name, Harriet uh, L- right. Lumumba style, to uh, old mate Smallhead. But yes, <laughs> China. the general, the, the general. general, the Smallhead general, the, the Smallhead small general. general, which which is also what I call my dick. <laughs> old mate, the Smallheaded general. Like this game, like there's been debate this week in the football community of the problem that they could not get old mate Smallhead General back on the field in time to win the game for them. I mean, this is the season Mm. they're having that like half their kids have been out and then you just have time for people like John O'Patton to get good like in the way that they're meant to be good. Like they're, if they can get it all on the field at the same time, they're going to be unbeatable. But the great thing about this season is they've, they've given us enough of not being able to do that to let everybody else think they have a chance. I mean, to go back to access all areas for a moment, this was another one of these comments that fucking irritates me. When they were talking about this game, Gary Lyon was saying, no, it was Matthew Lloyd said, this crazy thing of like dragging players off. I just have to kick a goal, and you know, John O'Patton was on the sidelines in the last six minutes. I want to see a player defy their coach and just stay out there. That's what I want to see. No, it's actually it was Gary Lyon. He said that's what he should do. John O'Patton should defy the coach and just fucking stay out there. That is a ridiculous notion. There is no fucking way if you're putting your team first that you are going to defy the coach's orders or whatever the team structures or the team plans are and stay on the ground because you think you can win the game. It'd be great if you as an actor were getting to the final moments of a scene and you weren't confident that the other actors were going to get the scene across the line, so you just did their lines as well. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, The Sixth Sense, the little kid, Haley Joel Osment, just yells out into the camera, oh, by the way, Bruce Willis is dead. I reckon he's dead. I reckon he's been dead this (laughs) whole time. I've suspected it since halfway through this movie. But can you explain to me, Will, maybe you know a bit more about this than me. When they talk about, oh, we couldn't get the players on because the, you know, the ball was at the wrong end of the ground or the wrong side of the ground, what does that mean? Well, that means that basically they want to make an interchange as quickly as possible. So you need to be as close to the interchange area as possible. So the best time to do that is when they've kicked a goal or when the play is over that side of the ground so the players don't have to run very hard to be exchanged over because otherwise, if it's the other side of the ground, by the time they run over and the other player runs back over, you're like one player down for all that time. Okay, so so for John O'Patton to get on the ground, the ball needed to be in Geelong's forward line for him to get back onto the ground without it interrupting play or leaving them a man down. Is that right? Well, no. The, the play ideally needed to be either a goal one way or the other so they could have an interchange. Or the, ideally, the play would be over towards where the interchange area is. Right, 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 right. So they could just do a direct sort without right. having to run 200 metres to but position. But yes, then I guess the next best thing is whatever forward line is closest to... Uh, that area or if someone else was lining up to kick or whatever if it's over that side of the ground but it was over the other side of the ground so they couldn't do it okay uh, on Saturday night the Mighty Tigers 11-10-76 defeated Port 8-15-63 and I was at this game 
first-hand, first-time experience at the Adelaide Oval. Never been there before. I uh, sent out a tweet. Um, I love it. It was great. I actually sent out a tweet beforehand because I went with a bunch of these dudes that I'm working with. Uh, and all of us are from out of town and we didn't know where the best place was to go for a drink beforehand. So I put a little thing out on Twitter saying, hey, where should we go a drink that's walking distance to the ground? And it turns out that everywhere is walking distance to the ground in Adelaide. Oh yeah, Adelaide. It's walking distance from Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I loved it. It's a great ground. I mean, it's brand spanking new. So all the facilities are top notch. Uh, we sort of toyed with the Has idea of Has it still got that hill. new ground smell? Yeah, it does. It does. Of, of piss and vomit? Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, we we toyed with the idea of standing on the hill um, because we just bought general admission tickets, so there was only like a, a few areas we could go into, and one of them was the hill. But uh, we thought, uh, you know what, this might be fun now because it's an hour before the game, but then later on we might want to sit down. So we ended up in these nosebleeds, like top level, uh, sort of up on the wing forward pocket kind of area, and they were great. They were I couldn't imagine there would be an area on the ground that doesn't give you a good view of the game. Well, that's actually um, a tribute to the uh, Hilltop Hoods that the seats in the nosebleed <laughs> section are as good as all the others. <laughs> well, it wasn't Friday night footy, but in my hoodie, I did hide. <laughs> Sorry, it's very late at night, guys. Well, not for us, for our for our producer, where it's pushing on what? Yeah, like, how, is it almost 4 a.m. where you are? Are you still awake? Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. What are we doing? Like, and Okay, here's what I'm going to controversially suggest as well. I need to pause because I've run yeah. out of liquid. Oh, holy shit. Oh, it's okay. 4.26. Right. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'll be really, really quick, I promise. Well, we're talking about Richmond, Richmond Port. Yeah. So, I okay, so uh, I need to point out we're back, I hope. Uh it is 4.30 in the morning where our producer Michael is right now. So we need to fucking just like barrel through this a little, a little bit longer because even though we've been recording yeah. this now for like six and a half months, uh, for the people at home, it has not been quite that long. So we should uh, get uh, to it. So anything else about that Richmond Port game? Uh, well, we talked a little bit before, just watching Alex Rant in person. Port, uh, I felt up until halfway through the third quarter, it looked like Port had the game sewn up. Richmond weren't playing that well. But then Alex Rance just came to the fore and Dustin Martin. I mean, between Danger and Dusty, yep. like it's gonna be it's gonna be joint Brownlow medalists this year, right? Well, no. I mean that doesn't make sense, but like certainly it's a two horse it feels like a two horse race at this stage. Why but they there's, there's joint Brownlow medalists in the past. Why is it Yeah, but it makes no sense to go, well, it's gonna be joint Brownlow medalists just because two players are clearly playing at a level above everybody else. The statistical reliability of them still finishing on the same amount of points from this point on in the season when there's still eight more games where anything could happen for either of the players. There's just too many variables in that equation. This is goodwill hunting, Charlie. I mean, I don't wanna be the stats guy. I don't but I don't wanna be a last chewer on you, but um, I just feel like that's an unrealistic thing to say. Okay, the Brisbane Lions, 13-12-90, defeated the Bombers, 11-16-82 in Essendon. I mean, we talked in uh, in one of our episodes that never made it to air. Yes. I mentioned a uh, message I got from an Essendon supporter who said that there is a subculture of Essendon supporters who believe that they are more Richmondy than Richmond, and they call it Essington. And I'm starting to think that maybe he wasn't as crazy as I thought. They've had two very Essington uh, performances over the past three weeks. 
Yeah, I got to be honest with you. If you were sort of a an Essington believer, you know, a kind of flat earther or whatever, and there's suddenly some evidence that is coming out that is supporting your position on this matter. Um, I noticed that uh, everybody's favorite uh, football broadcaster, Mark Robinson, uh, in his uh, sort of hits and misses of the week, whatever that column is, I can't remember what he calls it, but uh, he uh, one of his uh, things was Essendon-y. That's what he called it. Forget Richmond-y, Essendon-y. Did he actually fucking say that? Yeah, it was in the paper, mate. Robo. That, that, that motherfucker said forget Richmond-y. Forget you, Mark Robinson. <laughs> well, I might be paraphrasing, but that was the gist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was good to see Brisbane have a win. They've been thereabouts. They, they needed a win like this. And how great was it to see uh, Dennis Fagan. <laughs> Dennis Fagan, Dennis Pagan, uh, Chris Fagan. Did you see that footage of him in the box where he got so frustrated he ducked down behind his desk so he could say, fuck, really loudly? Mate, what I loved is he not only told that story at the press conference and got like a massive laugh. Like... I, I know maybe this is a comedian thing that I noticed, but I'm really conscious of when they do a joke and like what the response is from the journos and shit. And he fucking killed with that bit. And then I watched on the couch last night and he rolled out the same fucking gear on, on the couch and fucking killed again. I was like, this is a good bit. Hold on to this fucking bit. Chris Pagan, <laughs> Pagan, Dennis Pagan. Uh, we're going to rush through the last few games because our uh, our producer is delirious. Yeah. Hawthorne, so eighteen ten. All I would say is Brisbane were great, and um, uh, Hipwood, the the baby deer chasing a butterfly, he's fucking amazing. No, what's his name? That's not Hipwood. What's his? Yeah, fuck? is that his Eric name? Hipwood? Yeah, and Eric Hipwood. Yeah, he's he's just fantastic to watch. Um, uh, Zorko, Brisbane. Like Rockcliffe fucking hugging like Fagan, Pagan, Fagan Dennis at the end. Like it was, there was a, I mean, if you're Brisbane, there was a lot to like out of this weekend. 100%. Uh, Hawthorne, 18-10, 118. Trying to fuck St Kilda's uh, first round pick as much yeah. as they can. Defeated Collingwood, 14-10-94. A lot of talk about Buckley this week. I reckon he'll keep his job regardless. Um, I I had like firm towards he was going to keep his job, but I'm uh, swinging back in the direction of um, that uh, he will peacefully go from the club on his own terms at the end of the year. Well, it kind of feels like because he is uh, because of the kind of personality that uh, Nathan Buckley is, because he made this call Babe Ruth style early on. Even if the club wanted to keep him, his pride would not allow him to leave the job. Well, that's a story that they never tell about Babe Ruth like in the alternative universe where that fucking dickhead pointed to the crowd and then fucking struck out and had to tell that story in bars for the rest of his life like it's you know there is that element of once you put it on the table that it's something for people to measure you by um do I think that Nathan Buckley can coach probably yeah I I, I think that you probably shouldn't coach at the club you're a star at straight away it doesn't seem to be a winning formula for people. Um, I think Nathan Buckley is probably a better coach now than he was, you know, when he started doing that job and he'd probably be a good coach somewhere else. But I feel just for Collingwood, it might be just time for the two of them to go their separate ways. I think Buckley will get another coaching job. And if he doesn't want to coach again, he'll get a job in the media. He's really good in the media, you know. He's been working in the media part-time this fucking season. The only other person, like Paddy Dangerfield in here must be going like, how the fuck do we have every job? Like, he's been, (laughs) you know, like, he'll be fine. 
and and Collingwood will be fine. I think it'll come down to maybe what else is in the zone for Collingwood, right? Like yeah, it might it might come down to that thing of going, well, if they can get Ruse or if they're not a crazy sort of thing, they can get Clarkson or someone. But say they can get Ruse. Ruse with someone else yeah. underneath him. They get Ruse and like an apprentice, a Simon Goodwin type. And that's what Collingwood sell. Eddie finally gets his succession plan. He just has to put them both in and that's what he goes forward with. And Bucks walks away, a Collingwood champion and a guy who served the club well and he does it with some dignity and goes and works in the media. Like, I don't think that would be a, a terrible scenario. No. And the last game of the round, uh, uh, St Kilda uh, finally has a win in the West over Frio. Um, it's actually a really good game. I only got to watch the first half and then I had to go out to dinner and then I came back and was quite surprised because I thought, I thought Frio had the game tied up. Michael Walters, one of the greatest performances in a losing side that you're likely to see. 30-something possessions, six goals, two. He probably could have had eight. The two he missed were actual absolute sodas, but we had no answers for him. He's an absolute, absolute gun. Uh, I watched this entire game, and most of the reason I was watching it for a lot of it was just because of him and him only. Like, he was so dominant. It was just one of those things from early on because he played so well from the start. You know, Mm. it wasn't one of those games where, you know, like, Dangerfield on the weekend, like he got a lot of touches in the first half, but he actually only really played really well in the second half. You know, he was kind of just doing his business in the first half. But Michael Walters, like from the from the start of that game, you were like, oh, hang on. He's about to turn something special on today. And he kept me watching that game, which ended up becoming a, you know, I think it was a pretty entertaining game of football from both teams. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. But the, the real thing to enjoy, it was like watching... Andrew McLeod or like, you know, one of those sort of players mm. where you're just like, he's playing at a different level to everybody else in this today. And don't you love the idea that like Ross Lyon was like, oh, why don't we try Michael Walters in the midfield? See if that works. <laughs> I mean, seriously, have you heard that Zach Dawson is playing in the waffle and he's playing as a forward? They're trying to fucking Liam Jones him. Would that not be <laughs> the greatest story of all time? If they fucking Liam Jones, Zach Dawson, that'd be brilliant. And very quickly, the Nick Revolt incident, we, we touched on it before. What's your feelings, Will? Is it the equivalent of diving? <laughs> no, it's fun. Whatever. Uh, I, you know what the story I loved out of it the most was? That uh, yeah. the, the kid who threw it to him. Josh Logue. Not loves Josh Logue, Nick Revolt. Uh, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's a Saint supporter. If you go to the Frio website and uh, you bring up his profile, it says, who's your favourite footballer, Nick Revolt? Who's your greatest sportsman, Nick Revolt? Like, Nick Revolt makes, like, th- like all three of his top sporting memories. And so when Nick Revolt calls the ball, yeah, you're going to throw it back to Nick Revolt. Mate, he's his hero. His hero asked him to throw the ball to him in a situation where he could have possibly done it. Like, I mean, it's great by Nick. I mean, it would have been great if yeah. it came out on Monday night on uh, AFL 360, Richo's gone on on Coach's Night and gone, well, actually, we noticed this. In the footy program. And we thought this might be a weakness because it could be exploited at some stage. And look, as an actor, I've got to say, Nick Revolt's acting in that uh, moment was fantastic. Like when the ball came back to him and he just dropped his arms, watched it fall to the ground and then appealed to the umpire. (laughs) was fucking fantastic. Oh, mate, he was in the moment. No, I, I admired it. I liked it. It's a fucking game of football, guys. Calm down a little bit. All right, let's take a deep breath and get through uh, this weekend's games. Uh, first up is your boys taking on the Crows at Adelaide Oval. 
I mean, look, we've already sort of touched on this. It feels like the Crows have got this sewn up. How do you feel, Will? Well, I agree with that, but I also don't want to be the fucking kid who doesn't believe that when you hear a bell ring, it's a fucking angel getting its wings. Um, The team's given me so much and I've got to give them something back in return. So I'm going to say that we're going to bounce back and we're going to have a season uh, turning around victory against Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. But like, honestly, I, I don't have great hopes for this, no. I'm going to pick the Crows in that game. On Saturday, Hawthorne take on the GWS in a game that suddenly has a whole new meaning. At the US, are they playing in America? Yeah, they're playing in the US. Uh, Josh Gibson oh, universe. To, to go to the US. It's US round. So they got Gibbo yeah. because of the pussycat dental thing. So... <laughs> <laughs> and no, it's actually the University of Tasmania Stadium, which I guess must be in Launceston. Whew, uh, I'm going to pick Hawthorne in this game. I just feel like they're on the way back. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to say GWS. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. At the MCG... Well, I think they're the after- that's going to win the premiership, and I don't think Hawthorne will, so GWS. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, Collingwood take on Essendon at the MCG. Should be a big crowd for this. Who fucking knows in this game? Essendon been out of form. Collingwood, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I'll pick the Bombers. I'm going to say the Bombers as well. Even though this is very backs against the wall, this is probably the final uh, most heroic backs against the wall of all time. Like This is a time if Collingwood are going to pull it out and confuse everybody about what they're going to do. But I just think Essendon. Like Essendon can still make the finals. Collingwood are out of it now. Essendon have something yeah. to play for. I just think they're a better team. I'm going to say Essendon. I don't think it's backs against the wall enough because the season's over. So, yeah, Essendon for me. Uh, up at the SCG, the Sydney Swans looking for revenge against Gold Coast. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> not revenge. I thought it was GWS. Sydney are taking on Gold Coast at the SCG. Sydney are running rampant. Uh, I feel like their chance to lose against a, a, a lower team <laughs> was a few weeks ago. I just feel like Sydney, if Sydney drop another game for the rest of the year, it'll be disastrous. So I'm going to pick the Swans in this game. Sydney. Uh, up at the Gabba, the Brisbane Lions, the resurgent uh, Brisbane Lions, the Dennis Fagan <laughs> Brisbane Lions take on the Geelong Cats. Uh, it has to be Geelong, doesn't it? I mean, it has to be, but... Like, there's got to be one every round where there's a, like, you know, ridiculous fucking upset in this competition. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was Brisbane, but I'm going to say Geelong. Well, last week was the ridiculous upset for Brisbane. I don't think this this round is going to ha- have an upset for them. Saturday night, a fucking mega game. Uh, Maddie's round, which is a great cause. St Kilda take on Richmond at Etihad Stadium. God, look, I think that St Kilda have been chugging along, strung three together, but we've all all been victories against teams below us in the ladder. Uh, Richmond look really good. I wonder if we'll send someone to Rance. It seemed to work for a half against uh, Port Adelaide. But well, like you, I'm going to tip the Saints because I'll always tip the Saints. But hopefully it's a cracking contest. That's, that, that, that is my hope for this game. This is one Richmond could drop. I could say this, but I'm going to say Richmond. I've got it. The North Melbourne game. take on Fremantle oh, at Etihad Stadium. <laughs> uh, at Etihad? Okay, I'm going to pick North Melbourne because you know why, Will? Because at Etihad, they have an endless supply of Shinbona spirit. 
They have it shipped in directly to Etihad Stadium. And I, I think that I think Frio maybe are done now. I think that if they'd beaten St Kilda, they might have a bit of momentum. But this feels to me like the kind of game where Brad, with all his shifting of players around, putting Lindsay Thomas in defence and uh, whatever, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he's going to put Brown at full back. I reckon that this is the kind of game that the Kangaroos could win. I'm going to pick the Kangaroos. And that's Just- my lock of the week. All right. Well, just for fun, because I just don't have any feeling one way or the other about this game, I'm going to say Fremantle. I'm going to say Fremantle are going to win. All right. Nice. Nice. Do you have the next game? Because I don't. Carlton uh, take on Melbourne at the MCG. Again, this should be a big game. Yeah. Uh, Who fucking knows? I think Carlton might win this. I just think that Melbourne have been knocked around. They were enjoying some good publicity for a few weeks, but I think because of the bug thing and Viney being out, I'm going to pick Carlton in this game. I feel like Melbourne are going to have a Chumbawamba moment. This is the story of Melbourne this year. They've got to prove that they can overcome adversity and they are going to get knocked down, but they're going to get up again. And I'm going to say Melbourne. Oh, nice. Last game of the round. Also because I reckon Thomas Bug might have taken a whiskey drink and a soda drink and then a vodka drink (laughs) this week. Oh, Danny boy. Last game (laughs) of the round. West Coast Eagles take on Port at the main stadium. Uh, uh, Fuck, this is a good, this is probably match of the round, yeah? Yeah, I mean, a lot of good games. Well, fucking mate, any given fucking day of the week, who knows who could win? Uh, I'm going to pick Port Adelaide in this game. I don't think West Coast are any good. (laughs) I am going to say, it's so hard. It's so hard to know. Um, I think Port Adelaide are probably a better team, but like just West Coast at home. West West Coast. West Coast. Okay, West Coast. Great. Okay, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, uh, please, if you like this podcast, you can go to our website, tofop.com, and check out a bunch of other hilarious, uh, also poorly recorded <laughs> shows in which uh, Skype doesn't work. Um, uh, if you want to support us uh, in what we do here, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. Um, it's just a way to keep the, the show running. It, it enables us to pay uh, our producer to stay up till 5 a.m., <laughs> recording yeah. some bullshit podcast about a sport he only discovered a year ago. <laughs> uh, yes. Hello? Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for oh. you to fucking bring some of your comedy stylings here to tail this off. I couldn't tell if you were gone. This is no, the no, state. I'm still here. This is the state we're at now. I honestly now just can't tell the difference between you pausing or the line breaking out in this fucking show. Anyway, here's what I would say is uh, if you are someone who listens to this podcast who is from Montreal in Canada, which is a weird demographic, <laughs> but I will be doing a show at the Montreal Just for Last Festival in a couple of weeks. Uh, we are taking our other podcast, Tofop, to the LA Podcast Festival. Uh, we've confirmed a whole bunch of awesome guests for that, and that's going to be a really brilliant show. And we have a big announcement to make about some live shows in Sydney. Uh, at a very prestigious venue as part of a very big uh, event uh, that we will be doing our other podcast, TOFOP. Uh, we will be able to tell you that news, I guess, in the next couple of days. But uh, big news coming if you're a fan of that podcast as well. And I guess and I guess while we're putting sizzle on stuff, um, people have been asking whether or not we'll be doing another grand final show with the guys from Junk Time AFL pod, Michael Chamberlain and Adam Rosenbachs, and I believe that is happening. That is happening. Well, so that's, um, that's not really sizzle though, is it? If you just tell people something's happening. 
Oh, okay. So maybe it's happening. <laughs> maybe it's not. Did I did I pull that out of the fire? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No one, no one will notice. If anyone's made it this far into the podcast, no one will notice. I mean, the amazing thing is when people listen to this, they'll probably hear like an hour's worth of content. But right. I'm looking at my digital recorder and we've done close to two hours worth yeah. of fucking talking no, on no. this bullshit podcast. It's been Groundhog Day <laughs> for us. Like we've learned a lot of lessons that people weren't there to see. Play on, not 15. Ball. <laughs> Holy fuck. We are two guys, one car.